Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Kind of took those characters that I fell in love with, threw the script away, uh, went out to the woods for a week, and rewrote it. <laughs> Reading her poetry, I heard musical phrases and melodies. Emerging artists who don't have opportunity otherwise. I don't know, there's, there's some magic in not knowing, right? <laughs> Um, so that's crazy. So did any big surprises come out of that fishbowl? Something that got greenlit where you're like, oh, whoa. I feel like there's always a big surprise out of the fishbowls. I'm Sarah Fenske. This year is the 10th annual St. Louis Fringe Festival, but organizers aren't pitching it as the biggest or the wildest iteration of the Indie Theater Festival for its 10 anniversary. With COVID-19 still stalking the region, they're grateful simply to be here again in their 10th year. Last year was all virtual, but this year offers a mix of in-person and online offerings. And joining us today to discuss the highlights is Matthew Kearns. He's the executive director of the St. Louis Fringe Festival. So, Matt, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me again. So we're so happy you're here, um, and it's so exciting to have some good news in addition to all the bad news we we have to cover on air. Yes. You opened the festival last Friday. Was it nice to be back? And It's so exciting to be back, and we're so glad that we've done two things. There's been a lot of tragedy in the world, but one of the great things that came of this is the pioneering new space that is the digital performative arts. And artists are out there really wanting to stay in that space and develop it further. So we've started the first part of the festival with those digital works that people are excited about. And we're moving into real-time events this weekend for the first time in 19 months. So everything that was last weekend, these were all the virtual stuff. Yes. And then going forward, there's a whole lot of stuff people can do in person. That's right, at open air tents, outside down here in Grand Center. Lots of space, lots of social distancing, lots of open air. You guys have a lot of COVID protocols. We know about that and that's important. So some of these highlights, I want to talk about a highlight that actually took place this last weekend. This was a digital highlight. It turns out that these virtual performances are going to be available for people to watch on demand after the festival ends. So next week, you can start looking for all of those digital works uh, on our website and they'll be there for up to a year. It depends on which uh, what contract we have with each artist, but they're allowed to let them be distributed through us for a year so you can experience their work. So normally, if a performance had already taken place, I'd say, you know, why are we even telling people about what they missed? Here in this case, this is one people didn't have to miss. And this has given artists opportunity for accessibility, for exposure, and for distribution that they didn't have previously. So it's, again, it's one of those silver linings that's come of this. So one of these uh, shows that was virtual, this is a, a second look at the making of Flame and Shadow, the passion and pain of Sarah Teasdale. It's an in-process opera about the inner world of the late St. Louis native. It's by composer Nika Leone. Last year, Fringe presented an introductory video about the creative process. Now, this year's virtual presentation expands on that. I was hooked on her poetry right away from the first page, and her poetry was an immediate draw of inspiration. And it's interestingly enough, Sarah Teasdale called her poems songs. And what I noticed 
from the first minute I started reading is that I started hearing music, writing, uh, reading her poetry. I heard musical phrases and melodies. And um, I was really attracted to that. Now, Nika Leone says there are only two biographies of Sarah Teasdale. That's even though she received the first Columbia Poetry Prize. That's now known, of course, as the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry. I got so deeply immersed emotionally into the incredibly complex, complicated inner world of Sarah. Her life that's full of um, physical struggle, emotional struggle, um, full of beauty and love and also rejection and, and full of passion and later in her life loss and illness and despair. It's just, it was so dramatic and so emotional that one day I was sitting at a lunch date with my friend Catherine Favaza and I was sharing with her what I learned and I guess I was so emotionally involved in the story that Kathy immediately said, this is such a dramatic story. It belongs on an opera stage. And that, again, is composer Nika Leone. Uh, Matt Kearns, I mean, isn't that just like sort of the, the germ of so many great fringe ideas? This needs to be an opera. This needs to be a play. Totally. You start sitting around, drinking a beer, having a lunch. It's like, wait a minute, this has such a great idea. And with this, we've committed to this opera till the end, till it opens. So it's going to be with us for a while as they continue to develop it. And the exciting thing is it's local. It's about somebody who lived in our space, in our time. That street right over there is named after her. And and was the first Pulitzer Prize winning female in poetry in history. It's a huge deal. Yeah, I feel like we're always talking about Tennessee Williams, and I'm so guilty of that. I love Tennessee yeah. Williams. But, you know, Sarah Teasdale was in her, in poetry, an equally big deal, and I feel like St. Louis doesn't talk about her as much. Right, and so this is our opportunity to elevate her right there next to Tennessee. So I want to help do that a little bit more. In addition to hearing from Nika, she actually provided us with a sample mm. of the music. This is from the death scene in Flame and Shadow, The Passion and Pain of Sarah Teasdale. Let's listen. soprano Julia Radash, uh, Radash sorry, uh, performing in uh, Nika Leone's in-process opera, Flame and Shadow. If you want more information on that, come Monday, as Matt was saying, you'll be able to watch that on demand. Go to stlouisfringe.com to be able to do that uh, coming Monday. Matt, that is such a beautiful Isn't piece of music. it just gorgeous? I know. Yeah, it just makes me uh, want to cry. It's so, like, you get such chills over it. It's so beautiful. So as, as Nika Leone presents this story of Sarah Teasdale, what appeals to you about this this work that she's got in progress right now? Uh, that it's celebrating an artist of our history, uh, that it's local, 
uh, not just in the history of Sarah, but in the history of Nika being a St. Louis uh, woman in the opera space developing new work. Hmm. Is it common to see people presenting something that's still in progress at the Fringe Festival? Always. So I like to say that the Fringe is a garden, and so it's all about planting a seed and watering it and watching it grow. And we've had uh, one of our shows that went off Broadway uh, in 2019 started, and it was with us for two years as it developed before it made that jump. So audiences can kind of watch these things as they progress, see how it comes together. And it's so exciting to do because you really do see the ebbs and the flows and the way the artist is thinking as they're shifting the work as it comes back year to year. So that St. Louis Fringe Festival, that um, picks up again with the in-person component this weekend. If you want to get the information on exactly what shows are happening where, again, that's stlouisfringe.com. Now on the other end of the gamut from this just lovely opera in progress, (laughs) our producer Evie Hemphill spoke recently with Jacqueline Thompson. Uh, She's a veteran actor here in the St. Louis scene. She was actually one of the sisters in King Lear that was just in Forest Park. What a great show. Yes. Um, She's performing for the festival in White Rabbit, Red Rabbit, and it's nothing like she's ever attempted. She's actually forbidden from knowing the plot or even her (laughs) part of the script. It's exhilarating and frightening all at the same time. I I agree because, I mean, it's nothing like I've ever done. Um, And I think that there is... um, I don't know, it's, there's there's some magic in not knowing, right? <laughs> and so it's actually, too, like stretching myself as an actor and performer because I have nothing. I know nothing. She knows nothing. So that's Jacqueline Thompson, a veteran actor here in St. Louis. She told us the one thing she was asked to prepare for White Rabbit, Red Rabbit, is an impersonation of an ostrich. And so she's trying not to stress stress too much as she looks ahead to that performance. That's going to be this Friday at the Big Red Top in Grand Center. I'm always looking for inspiration. I'm always thinking of things that are dreaming, daydreaming of things I've never done before or parts I never played or scripts that I have never seen anywhere else that I can create or write. So it's just, you know, the unknown, again, is super exciting and also terrifying. I cannot stress that enough. I mean, Matt, that sounds terrifying. How do you come into a show without a script? And I guess more to the point, what's the point of having the actors come in without knowing the script? So it's the actor's nightmare, right? No script, no rehearsal, no director. And then the night of in front of the audience, you're handed it in a sealed envelope uh, with this particular show. They open it and they perform and they're given only the instruction of the ostrich. And they get this envelope like in real time or they have at least an hour backstage to digest it? No. They get it like we'll be sitting there watching. I'll come on stage with the envelope sealed with them and hand it to them. They'll open it there and they'll perform. This sounds crazy. It's it's awesome is what it is. Have you seen this done elsewhere? I have been able to see it be done because we, we had to uh, talk to the producers and so we were able to see what it is. So I do know what it is. Uh, I'm very excited about it. It is a very powerful and beautiful and touching piece of work when it's all said and done. And these three people, so Andy Slowey from the Improv Shop is doing Friday night. Um, Tim Meadows, or Terry Meadows, I always do that. Uh, Terry Meadows, the veteran actor, is performing the first Saturday show, and Jackie is performing the third. And the one thing that happens afterwards is once they're done, they can never do it again. Really? Nope. So Jacqueline's going to perfect being an ostrich or whatever role an ostrich (laughs) has to do with what she's doing, and then she's just going to hang up the White Rabbit, Red Rabbit show, and that's that. That's it. 
So is that kind of the spirit of the St. Louis Fringe Festival right there? You guys are playing with the boundaries of what is theater. We're very, very excited about pushing the boundaries, bringing cutting edge work, um, removing the proscenium wall, so that fourth wall of realism, taking it out and really letting people explore in new unknown spaces. So I think of the St. Louis theater audience as being a really enthusiastic audience. I mean, St. Louis loves theater, but I also see them as, as loving a lot of the chestnuts. You know, they, yeah. they love the Muni. They love going to the Fox. Uh, the crowd that comes out for this, is this a different crowd? So it's an it's an amalgamation of a crowd. It's definitely folks who like experimental work. But there's also the people who like the chestnuts. They come out not knowing necessarily the show per se, but like there's a new musical this weekend called Bukes Island that's coming. And there's a new play called Con College. Um, so there are those, those types of shows they like, but they're just new material, which is also exciting. So we see a lot of... Uh, uh, those people who go to the Muni cross over and come over to see things like uh, like Bukes Island this weekend. So I want to talk about Khan uh, College here in just a moment. But but before we do that, I mean, for people who are kind of coming into this and they're like, yeah, I want to get my toes wet with experimental theater, but this isn't 100% something that I'm ready for. Sure. Do you steer them towards uh, a particular show each year or do you say just kind of roll the dice, go for it? I think what I do is I say, buy two shows, come and see two. Buy something that you're going to go, right, I really want to see a musical. I love musicals. I want to do that. And then try the other thing that is so like out of the world of what you would consider. So I'm like, cool, go see Deanie Nast Saturday night because she's got a new show called uh, Get Wet with Deanie Nast and she's in a pool. We uh, we had Deanie Nast on our show last year. <laughs> yeah. That was quite an experience. Let's yes. just say Deanie... Um, Dini is, what, what's the word, nom de plume? What's the actor yeah. word of that? The alter ego of, yes. of a local performer. Audrey Crabtree. And, and, and Dini enjoys her alcohol. And pills. And pills. So yeah, that's always a fun one. <laughs> and taking them in front of the audience. <laughs> yeah, so that's back this year, some pill popping for the a pandemic. A whole new experience, yeah, exactly. A whole new experience with Dini uh, this Saturday night. So there's a lot of options there. Uh, that's, again, stlouisfringe.com. We're talking today to Matthew Kearns, who's the executive director of the St. Louis Fringe Festival. Lots of virtual options, lots of in-person options. Uh, Matt mentioned there Con College. Now, our producer spoke with Sam Rozier. He's the playwright behind Con College. That's going to be performed at the Grandel. The play is described by its creator as a, quote, raw and intriguing dark comedy about brotherhood, loyalty, and disillusionment. It's Set in Rozier's hometown. That's right here in St. Louis. And the Fringe Fest marks its world premiere. Here's how the playwright describes the plot, which revolves around college student Davey. He goes to Wash U. And he's like a pretty darn good student. He's a like star athlete, uh, straight A's, but he's also got like kind of a bad boy side. He sells, he smokes a good amount of weed and he uh, sells papers uh, to people for grades. But for all intents and purposes, he's like a good kid. Uh, the catalyst for the story is when his older brother and foil, Jake, uh, escapes prison and hides out in his dorm. So it's kind of like a messed up version of the odd couple. So it's basically a good son uh, with black sheep in the same, uh, same setting. So playwright Sam Rozier, who you heard just there, he was born and raised in Hazelwood. He wrote his first draft of Con College many years ago. Then he moved on to other pursuits like short films and screenwriting. And he said that the Fringe Fest provided an opportunity to revisit it. So I kind of took those characters that I fell in love with, threw the script away, and rewrote it. I went out to the woods for a week <laughs> and uh, rewrote it all. And I'm really happy. So it's kind of like the beginning and 
and as of now, like my first writing project and my most recent. And that is local playwright Sam Rozier talking about his play Con College. What about this one do you like? It's my favorite story of The Fringe is mm-hmm. that it gives opportunity and space to emerging artists who don't have opportunity otherwise. And so this is the world premiere of Sam's play that you heard. He went out to the woods for a week. He texted me right before and he's like, OK, I'm going to the woods for a week to rewrite the show. I was like, OK, great. Be careful. Wear bug spray. Don't get eaten by a bear. Yeah, something. And But that's it. The, the excitement and the energy that comes with these new upstart works is just so incredible and powerful. And did he go to rewrite this play after you'd already given it the green light? Or? Yes. Interesting. So you're not taking a real heavy hand at saying, I want to make sure this is exactly the way I want it before you're approving something for this festival. The only thing that I take a heavy hand in is if it crosses over into hate speech, then I take a heavy hand. Everything else is 100% on the table. So how do you decide what gets in? I mean, in this year's festival, were there more people interested in participating than you had theaters? We There were. And so we had a really large applicant pool. So we curate about, we're a hybrid festival is what I call us. So we curate, curate about 40 percent of the work and the other 60 percent comes out of a fishbowl. A fishbowl. Tell us how that works. Uh, we put them as the applications come in we put them into the fishbowl we let it sit there and then on on, on lottery day we pull the pull them out one at a time and that's the lineup for the year. Wow. And so this year, about 40% were chosen that way? 60%. Oh, 60%. Yeah. Okay. Always so, 60. Yeah, I flipped my percentages yeah. there. Um, so that's crazy. So did any big surprises come out of that fishbowl? Something that got <laughs> greenlit where you're like, huh, whoa. I feel like there's always a big surprise out of the fishbowl. Some of my favorites. So Madeline O'Malley is coming, and she's bringing a show called This is 40. And it's all of her one-woman show about being 40 years old. That's like, cool, yeah. Yeah, I was like, right. I can relate to that. I, I feel like I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. And so people are coming from outside St. Yeah. Louis with works for this. So we have grassroots folks, we have regional folks, and we have national, and in the digital form, we have international folks. Hmm. And you mentioned there's also this musical. I feel like we have so many musical lovers. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Bukes Island is a musical coming out of Nashville. This is interesting because they're coming here. They're going to professionally record it here because they're being considered to be played back or as part of the lineup on Amazon. Amazon HT Broadway channel. Wow. And they're going to do the tryout here in St. Louis? They're doing the recording of it here to send to them, but they've already been in talks with them. So it's very interesting. And we would love for people to come see it and, and experience it. The show is about an island where love is forbidden. And the main character has grown up on this island, so he doesn't know what love is. Wow. Yeah. So is this going to be sad? No, it's, it's supposed funny. To, yeah, it's supposed to be a comedy. And he's going out and exploring and kind of breaking the rules of the island to discover love. Okay, I'm glad he breaks those rules. Yeah. I didn't want to think of him sitting alone on this island. <laughs> right. That sounds like very depressing theater. Um, one other show I want to make sure to highlight here. This is called Dear Donald slash Dear Hillary, a second grade pen pal adventure. What in the world is that? So if you're familiar with A.R. Gurney's Love Letters, which is a play where two people sit at a desk and they write love letters to each other their whole lives. This is the same premise. Donald and Hillary each have a desk. They're each writing letters to each other as pen pals starting in the second grade and going all the way through to the present day. 
So do we have like a Donald Trump impersonator is going to be in Grand Center? Uh, this is a digi show, so you can pick it up on Monday. But uh, there is a Donald Trump impersonator and a Hillary Clinton impersonator. Wow. I mean, this this kind of runs the whole gamut. I got to say, every year, this thing, you've got all sorts of weird surprises for us. All over the place. And that's what I love about it. It's work you won't see anywhere else on any other stage in this town. Our stages are doing such incredible things. And our place in the community is to bring this experimental and exciting new work. So this is the 10th year for this festival. How long have you been involved with it? Five. Five of so those years. So half of its life. So this is a pretty big job. Yeah. Um, do you ever get tired of all the work you're putting into this fun little festival that also keeps getting bigger? It's uh, it's the love of my life, next to my husband. I should say that now. Sorry, Sean. Yeah. Um, but it really is the love of my life. I, I have fallen in love with experimental theater. I went to graduate school to be an experimental creator in the, in the performative space. And to be able to foster and nurture artists and help them develop their works, it's, it's the best thing I've ever been able to do. So you're back, you know, shows again in person and yet it's still kind of this hybrid time. I know people are worried about the COVID protocols. Yeah. You have those all on your website if people want to know how you're handling that. Are you already thinking ahead to next year and thinking about, okay, maybe next year we'll be totally back to normal? It's so funny you say that because I've been thinking, I, I don't know what normal is anymore. I call it the before time. Yeah. I don't know that we'll ever look like that again. We'll look like something different. And whatever we look like will be great and be for that time. But I'm definitely thinking about next year. And I've already been thinking about how we start integrating all of this stuff together. The digital work, the performance work, them at the same time. Hmm. I'm convinced that stages and artists are going to start making work where there's an actor that's, you know, in New York and they're on the stage here performing in St. Louis hmm. through Zoom or whatever it is. And I'm just excited to see where it's going because the world, the world, the arts is evolving. Hmm. Well, Matthew Kearns, Executive Director of the St. Lou French Festival, thank you for joining us oh, today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.